a financial plan requires planning. It's savings, RRSPs, investments, and planning for the unexpected. TD Term Life Insurance can help protect your family's financial future if you were to unexpectedly pass away. You can apply for TD Term Life Insurance online or over the phone by speaking to a licensed advisor. If you're under the age of 55, you could be approved for up to $500,000 of coverage without a medical exam. Conditions apply. TD Term Life Insurance is underwritten by TD Life Insurance Company. Visit tdinsurance.com slash termlife to learn more. Despite assurances that Canada would receive millions of COVID-19 vaccine doses in the first quarter of the year, shipment delays have put the country off target. And every delayed shipment has the potential to further push back the goal of reopening society and risks more infections of the virus. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. National Post reporter Tristan Hopper joins me to discuss where Canada's vaccine plan failed, when we could expect to get back on track, and what the health and economic consequences are of a delay. Don't forget, you can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Tristan, there's been lots of talk about how Canada has fared with acquiring the COVID-19 vaccine. Should we get all our shipments whenever we get them? We'll have enough to jab people like nine times over, but when we may get all that is seemingly a moving target. Now, did the government botch this up or are we victims of factors outside of their control? Yeah, if it wasn't the government's fault, I wouldn't be trying to gin up any implication that it was. But what leads me to believe that there is a public policy failure here is, well, first of all, uh, you mentioned uh, we're starting to become uh, international news. So CNN and certain British publications are starting to pick up that uh, Canada is way behind our Anglosphere cousins in terms of vaccinations. Mm-hmm. The great thing about COVID-19 is it's a data journalist dream, is at any day you can look at how everybody is doing on every possible metric. And when you look at vaccinations and the acquisition of vaccinations and vaccine rollouts, all of the countries that are like Canada have lots of resources, so you don't have large governments, have been hit hard by this and have an incentive to pursue mass vaccination, most of those countries are doing way better than we are. So I'm thinking particularly of the UK and the United States. So where I am, I'm in southern Vancouver Island, just across the border in like Puyallup County in Washington state, they're already setting up public vaccination stations. You just go to a parking lot, wait, wait in line with your car, and then they jab you. Mm-hmm. And we're months away from that. I mean, my 99-year-old grandma Uh, hasn't even been vaccinated. I don't even think she's been told when she's going to be vaccinated. So it is a circumstance where in Israel, if we were all Israelis, we would all be vaccinated, everyone on this call. Mm -hmm. Um, If we were uh, Americans, basically, if you were over 65 or had health complications, you would probably be vaccinated. Uh, Same if we were British. But since we're Canadians, it's going to be until the middle of next year until we reach something like that. So where did the plan go wrong? I know like Justin Trudeau had talked about, oh, you know, we've signed deals to get millions of shots. We're going to have 6 million doses in the country by the end of March. And everyone who wants one will be able to get one by like summer or September. But that doesn't seem like it's the case. So where did Canada fall off here? The one major screw up is initially. uh, So if you go back to the vaccine race, so we all get hit hard by this. And then 
it's April 2020 and everybody's scrambling to sort of secure their line in the vaccine train. So we know people are developing vaccines. You want to be first in line. You want to secure those doses. So everybody's racing. At that time, Israel, which did the best job in this, they went to Pfizer and said, OK, you vaccinate us first. We're going to get you a bunch of country level data. And then you're going to know in pinpoint accurate detail what your vaccine can do, because you basically have this you know, test subject, Israel. We mass vaccinate people within weeks. And then you're going to know exactly what this can do to crush the virus. And we're going to pay you a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. So that's what Israel is doing to Pfizer. Pfizer says, OK, and that's why Israel is the most vaccinated country in the world. What is emerging now is that Canada kind of hitched its wagon to CanSino. This is a Chinese company. Uh, now, in early 2020, uh, CanSino briefly was believed to have the most promising vaccine candidates. We didn't know Pfizer was going to work. We didn't know Moderna was going to work. So early trials of CanSino was looking good. So Canada figured out some sort of deal with CanSino. We were going to roll it out here. I think we were going to be able to duplicate it, have domestic manufacture or something. But that was all screwed up when they were scheduled to start sending us the first doses for human trials. The Chinese government just blocked it out of spite. Basically, they said, screw you, Canada. You're still holding Meng Wanzhou. Uh, you can't have these vaccines. You could argue that this isn't the first time China has just arbitrarily screwed us over most notably detaining two citizens, two of our citizens indefinitely out of spite for Meng Wanzhou. Mm -hmm. um, so you could argue maybe it wasn't a good idea to bet our entire vaccination hopes on the whims of our greatest geopolitical enemy, maybe. Yeah. So that happens. And then suddenly, oh, no, we don't have any vaccines. So now it's summer. Everybody else has kind of figured out their vaccine doses, and then we're just going cap in hand to Moderna and Pfizer and everyone else. And it's not until August 5th when the Canadian government announces that we're in the Pfizer and Moderna line after everyone else has already sort of arranged them. So, yeah, when you look at subscriptions like pre-orders, our pre-orders of vaccines are higher than any other country in the world. But we're not at the front of the line for any of those. So, yeah, eventually we're going to have just mountains of these doses but that's going to be after everybody else has gotten them. There was lots of talk last year about the government saying that, you know, we're near the front of the line. We're going to get everyone doses. Anyone who wants a shot will be able to get a shot. Don't worry. And the opposition was saying, you've put us at the end of the line. Where is Canada in line? Uh, it's hard to tell because... Uh... Um, actually, Canada has been particularly not transparent with the deals it made with drug companies, and maybe there's a very good reason for that. By leaving it non-transparent, they can continue to claim we're at the front of the line. Places like Israel, the United States, I mean, their agreements with uh, the drug companies, they're public. You can go download them and take a look at them. Uh, Canada has not done that. Uh, so we don't actually know uh, where we are in the lineups. All we have is the assurances from the government saying, oh, yeah, we're at the front of the line. And on the other hand, constantly late deliveries and the fact that we just don't have any doses. While just across the border in the United States, they're jabbing everyone in sight. We have like 10,000 doses and we're just going to wait another month for more of these to come online. Yeah, we don't know where we are online. Evidence seems to point that we're not in a great place in line. Is it true that the U.S. has more doses than us because they're actually producing these vaccines in country? Like that's a piece of Canada's response that's missing and we potentially should have thought of that a couple of years ago? 
Yeah, yeah. So what I heard from uh, medical types while researching the story was, well, you can do two things. You can manufacture it yourself, and that's what the UK and the US did. That's the main reason they're doing great at vaccination. Or you can be really good at buying it, and that's what Israel did. Not one single dose of the Pfizer vaccine was made in Israel, but they struck a great deal with Pfizer. So uh, there is evidence to show that Canada had opportunities to pursue domestic manufacture of some of these doses, which wouldn't have had us waiting on U.S. factories to get around to shipping us doses. And also, there's a risk with that. Uh, You've seen national closures like national export bans on uh, vaccine doses. The EU was considering it. I think you had the U.S. uh, considering it at times. Uh, So that's another risk factor is that even if you have pre-orders, if the national government where the factory is just decides, nah, we're going to keep those doses ourselves, screw you. Yeah, the most egregious one, this was actually a great Globe and Mail investigation, was right now Ottawa is renovating this laboratory, this government-owned laboratory in Montreal to manufacture doses. It's not going to be ready until early next year, like forever. And there's a laboratory down the street. It's owned by, I think, Numax is how you pronounce it. And they went to the government in, again, April, May, when, you know, just trying to secure doses. And they said, we're a Health Canada approved facility. Uh, We make doses uh, for Ebola, for pneumonia. We know what we're doing. You should consider using our facility as a domestic manufacturing site. And they were ignored by Ottawa. And they said, no, we're going to stick with our super slow factory that's never going to be finished. The Global Mail investigation to this talked to a lot of people in the know who said, oh, yeah, if if they had gone with that factory, it's a good factory. They know what they're doing. They could have had doses rolling out quite substantially by the end of 2020. So when do we get back on track? When could we conceivably see the federal government's vaccine plan actually hit its targets? Uh, Six months later than everyone else. Well, I mean, everyone in the developed world. Uh, So vaccine rollout is obviously very slow. But uh, yeah, the Economist Intelligence Unit, so that's you know, the the research arm of The Economist magazine, they looked into vaccination programs around the world. And then they figured, "Mm, yeah, UK, the US, the countries that are doing well, but basically all of Europe, they're going to be vaccinated by the end of 2021, presumably will have reached herd immunity. And then Canada, mid 2022, if we get it figured out, if there aren't any other screw ups, we are at the rate of the rest of the developed world six months after they have reached it. It's easy to look at these snags as just a delay, but waiting to get vaccine doses and get people vaccinated for a a deadly pandemic has real consequences. Like, what does a delay mean when it comes to the health of Canadians? Any government screw up is going to have severe ramifications. You know, if if you don't fix potholes, you know, someone's going to hit that pothole and then that's going to jimmy their wheel and then they're going to end up hitting someone and killing them or whatever. I I think about this all the time, sort of the knock on effects of screw ups. In this case, it's particularly noticeable because uh, every single day this pandemic goes by, we have more infections, we have more economic damage from lockdowns, we have more hospitalizations, uh, we have more deaths. So it's a bit easier to get a sense. I mean, once this is all over, we'll have a very good accounting of, of what this delay sort of cost us in terms of lives and resources. But for right now, uh, I mean, if you ask epidemiologists about this, they really don't like predicting the future. But mm-hmm. you can get a general sense of what six more months of the pandemic will do to us. And I think so basically every month since March of 2020, when this first hit us hard, we've lost 1900 Canadians, 1900 Canadians dead. So, you know, give or take, uh, you can assume for every other month that we have to go through this pandemic, you're going to at least have a few hundred more deaths you didn't need to have before. And in terms of government spending, it's up to like a billion dollars a day in pandemic spending alone. 
So this is the most expensive thing Canada has ever done, I think, including uh, the Second World War, which previously was the most expensive thing we'd ever done. So just in terms of sovereign debts, billions upon billions. I mean, remember 2008, 2009, the highest deficit we ran for the Great Recession was $55 billion. Mm-hmm. It is very easy to see how we could blow through 55 or even $100 billion within extra six months of this pandemic. Yeah. I mean, we talk about economic concerns. The idea that with six more months of a pandemic, there could be cause to argue that we need six more months of lockdown measures or preventative measures to try and stem the health toll of this, but that comes with its own price tag, right? You're talking about government programs to replace wages for people who lose their jobs and then a hit to the economy overall. Do we know like what kind of dollar figure there is on GDP and our economic output? The assessment I was looking at, uh, this was a team out of Queen's University. So if you look at the story, uh, there's a link to the research they've done. And they've estimated that for continued lockdowns, like every every month or every day you have lockdowns, you hit the GDP by between 8 and 14%, which is a lot of money. Uh, Considering in 2019, Canada's GDP was over $2 trillion. So for every day that you're hitting the GDP by 8%. I mean, I think that's 500, 500 million per day or something. So uh, yeah, that, and, and then when you break that down across the whole population, I mean, that's that's how many job losses, that's how many missed opportunities, that's how many cleared bank accounts, that's how many closed small businesses. So the, the thing about lockdowns is they're not indefinite, obviously. At a certain point, you just can't do them anymore. And you just have to start becoming more comfortable with higher rates of fatalities or infections or whatever. Yeah, it remains to be seen. I don't know if we can stay the way we are into mid-2022. Mm-hmm. There might be some situation um, in which our case rates just go down due to other factors or maybe early vaccination. Um, if we target it correctly, like in long-term care homes, we can sort of drive down the rates even with our slow vaccine rollout. So we'll see. But yes, I think it's it's reasonable to say it's wildly unsustainable to keep lockdown at this rate. And at a certain point, we're just going to open up even with the dangers that imposes. I understand there were a couple of companies, one in Calgary and one out East that had talked about being able to produce vaccines here and they were ultimately turned down. Is there any sense that the feds may turn around and and go back to them and say, okay, let's try and ramp this up? Uh, I don't know if they've they've gone back to them. So that was, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the company, but this was, yeah, a company just south of uh, Calgary, which had sort of very, very, very early trials of the vaccine. It was working in mice. And that's how you develop a vaccine. It works in mice. And then you try it for human trials. You are very careful about checking out whether it works. Um, because if it doesn't work, uh, you know, oops, I sterilized the entire population or something. So they were saying that they did approach the government for extra funding to sort of take this to a trial stage and then were sort of ignored and turned down. So obviously every pharmaceutical company is going to be claiming to the media, uh, we could have totally solved this if Ottawa had paid attention. But it seems that if you have a federal government dealing with the most economically damaging thing it has ever faced in its history, you would be throwing money and resources at absolutely every possible ridiculous scheme to get out of that. You know, just think of like, if you've turned on the Discovery Channel lately, all the ridiculous programs we've had during the Second World War, like anything. Mm-hmm. If we can end the Second World War and just end this, we'll do it. So, okay, we're going to build uh, in Jasper National Park, we're going to build a, 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 an aircraft carrier out of ice. We're going to get Jehovah's Witnesses to build it, you know, because they're uh, conscientious objectors. And then uh, then we're going to try and build like a wooden plane, you know, the the spruce goose that's going to fly in the air. So this should be a time where I think crazy schemes 
of any kind are welcomed uh, by the governments. But doesn't seem to be the case. It does seem that we just kind of made the Cancino deal and like problem solved. And it wasn't. And we didn't have a plan B. All right. Well, you know, as all Canadians hope that uh, we get new doses in the near future and we get uh, back on track with this, I know we'll be all watching this closely. Tristan, thanks for your time. Thank you. On Friday, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said that despite hurdles and delays, Canada will receive 2.8 million more doses than expected from Pfizer between April and June. It's now expected 84 million doses of Moderna and Pfizer shots will be delivered by the end of September. 10.3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest Tristan Hopper. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.